everyone. I hope you're all doing well. Welcome back to episode number four of the Criminal Makeup Podcast. So today, prepare yourself because this is going to be our very first podcast exclusive episode. So that means that this is a brand new case. I have never covered this before on my YouTube channel. This is the first time you will hear this story covered by me. And for the first podcast exclusive episode, I had to bring you a UK case. And this case will definitely make your blood boil because it makes my blood boil. And today we're going to be talking about one of the UK's most notorious prisoners, one of the UK's most violent prisoners, but also one of the UK's longest serving prisoners. So today we're going to be talking about Arthur Hutchinson. So Arthur Hutchinson, where do I even begin? He is a terrible person. Terrible. That is an understatement, to be honest. He was extremely, extremely violent. He was a bully. He also thought as well, which he wasn't, but he also thought that he was God's gift to women. Arthur Hutchinson was a predator, a sexual predator. He was a rapist and a mass murderer. And this case takes place back in the 80s. And at the time, Arthur Hutchinson was the most wanted person in the UK. But after he committed some of his crimes, he went on the run. And this sparked one of the largest manhunts in the history of the UK. I also do have to give a trigger warning for today's case. We are going to be talking about rape and sexual assault pretty much throughout. So please be aware of that before we jump in. But we have a lot to get through. We do. Arthur, bloody hell, he had a very detailed criminal history. And yeah, we're going to cover it all today. So let's just jump in. So Arthur Hutchinson was born on the 19th of February, 1941, making him a Pisces. He grew up in Hartlepool, which is just a town in the north of the UK, where he lived with his five older siblings, his mom, Louise, and then his mom's husband, Cuthbert. Is that how you say it? Cuthbert, that is such a strange name. Now, growing up, Arthur can definitely be described as a difficult child. He was always getting into trouble at home, at school, in the neighborhood. He has just been described as a bad egg. And normally I don't like to say, oh yeah, they were a bad egg. They were born bad. I don't like to say that. But in the case of Arthur Hutchinson, I do kind of agree, which, um, I'm sure all of you will as well. And one theme that completely dominated Arthur's childhood was violence. He was always getting into fights, little confrontations. This was at school with his siblings at home and he was always getting into arguments with his sisters. And when Arthur was only seven years old, he stabbed his sister with a pair of scissors. Now let that just sink in. He is seven years old and he has stabbed his sister with a pair of scissors. That is extreme. That is extreme for anyone, but a seven-year-old. Now, thankfully, no serious harm actually came to the sister, which is obviously very, very lucky. But can you imagine how traumatic that would have been for pretty much everyone involved? But for Arthur's parents, his mom, can you imagine the trauma of finding your children and one of them has stabbed one another? How do you even deal with that? So like I said, violence was pretty much Arthur's childhood. But what led to him stabbing his sister? Let's just rewind the clock a bit and let me tell you. Because you don't just stab your sister. You may fall out with your sister, you may have a little fight confrontation, but you don't just stab your sister out of the blue, do you? Well, there were actually two pretty significant events that led up 
to Arthur stabbing his sister. And the first one is that Arthur suffered a head injury. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a head injury. And we all know what they say about a head injury. So when Arthur was a small boy, I don't actually know the exact age, but it was clearly before he was seven years old, he was riding his bike and he went into a lamppost with a lot of force. I don't know if this was accidental. I don't know if he intentionally did this. I don't know, but he rode into a lamppost and he suffered a really serious head injury and he was actually in a coma for three days. Now he did eventually make a full recovery, but can you actually say that he did make a full recovery? I don't really think you can actually, because from the moment he had that head injury, it is said from people around Arthur that he was a completely different child after this. His whole personality just changed. After this head injury, Arthur developed a severe appetite for violence. Before this, he was just a regular child, regular kid, having fun, happy. But after this head injury, he was violent, he was aggressive, he was angry. So that was the first significant event that led up to him stabbing his sister. But there is another one, and that is that he was constantly teased by all of his sisters. And I mean, all the time, constant teasing. It was practically bullying, to be honest. And the reason Arthur was teased is because he was seen as a, quote, illegitimate child. So why were they calling Arthur this? Well, Arthur's mom had an affair, and out of that affair, Arthur was born. And of course, Arthur was born out of wedlock. And we've got to remember the time frame that we're in right now. This is 1941. This is obviously a huge taboo. Like, oh my God, you can't have children out of wedlock, blah, blah, blah. But what was even stranger is that the man that Arthur's mom, Louise, had an affair with, his name was Arthur Hutchinson. And Louise decided to name Arthur after the man she'd had an affair with, who obviously was Arthur's biological dad, but I still find that kind of weird. So Arthur had a completely different surname to the rest of his family, which obviously that doesn't really seem like a big deal to me. But again, we've got to remember we're in 1941 right now. Him having a different surname is further going to isolate him from the rest of his family. They would constantly tease him and say things like, oh, you're illegitimate. You're not part of this family. They would also call him a bastard. And growing up in that environment, Arthur really resented his sisters, his family. He really resented the fact that he just didn't feel like he belonged in his family. So those were the two things that led up to Arthur stabbing one of his sisters. And unfortunately, it only gets worse from here because right now this could have ended. His parents should have now got him help. Maybe thought, oh, we might need to do something about this. This is not really heading in the right direction, but they don't. Because by the time Arthur gets to 11, years old. He starts to develop an appetite for sexual violence. At 11 years old, he actually ends up in juvenile court for sexual assault. I know, at 11 years old. And he is reprimanded for this, but it does not change his behavior. As he enters his teenage years, as he gets older, things only escalate. Again, I beg the question, why did his parents not do anything? His teenage years were dominated with violence and sexual violence. He also gained a reputation for being the neighborhood bully. Arthur would actually walk around his neighborhood with a five foot stick and he would just carry this stick around literally threatening every single person that he came across. He would threaten other boys if they ever ever challenged his authority. But then he would also intimidate girls 
into letting Arthur take advantage of them, which is just disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. Arthur has said himself that he used to carry around this five foot stick so he could quote, kill people with one blow. And I'm not being dramatic here, Everyone around Arthur was truly terrified of him. I mean, of course they were. He was the neighborhood bully. He was violent. He was sexually violent. And then this soon led to a life of crime. Arthur started committing petty crimes such as theft and burglary. By the end of his teenage years, he had been sent to court 19 separate times. And this included four counts of statutory rape. And that is because Arthur had had sex with four girls that were under the age of 16, which is the age of consent. Now, I don't know if these girls did give consent. Obviously, it doesn't really matter because they are under the age of 16, so it's statutory rape. But given Arthur and what he does and his character, I would take a guess that those girls did not give consent. And when I was doing my research for this case, when I came across his background, his childhood, because I knew he was bad, but I didn't know he was this bad, I thought to myself, this has got to be one of the worst criminal backgrounds for a child, for a teenager that I've ever come across. Because apart from murder, he has pretty much committed every offense. He's committed theft, burglary, rape, sexual assault, violence, extreme violence. You could even say attempted murder when he stabbed his sister. And this is all by the age of 18. It's absolutely crazy. And I've said this already, but his parents did not hold him accountable. They did not do anything. In fact, Arthur has been called a quote, mommy's boy. He really was mommy's little angel. He could do no wrong. Apparently, his mom, Louise, felt sorry for Arthur because he'd suffered a head injury when he was so young. She felt sorry for him. She felt like she had to protect him. But also the fact that he was bullied so severely by his other siblings because he was a quote, illegitimate child. She felt really sorry for him. She felt really protective over him. And therefore, he could do no wrong. She never held him accountable. She just always made excuses for him. Whenever he would be violent towards anybody, his siblings or just other people out on the street, she would always find excuses for him. Even when he committed rape, she found excuses for him. Arthur's mom, Louise, never forced Arthur into taking responsibility for anything. So if he's never held accountable for anything, if he has learned from a very young age that this kind of behavior is acceptable, why is he going to change? He's not, is he? And it's said that Arthur's mom stayed loyal to him till the day she died. She was loyal to a fault. And she stayed loyal to him throughout all of the horrific acts that Arthur has yet to commit that we're obviously going to get to. And I understand that parents are going to be loyal to their children. Of course they are. But when you don't hold somebody accountable for an offense such as rape, that is inexcusable. So Arthur is now 18 years old and he has left school and he's doing the odd job here and there, but he's basically just a career criminal. And now at the age of 18, Arthur gets married for the first time. And he gets married to a woman called Margaret Dover. Soon after they are married, they do have a child together. Now you may think, or you may not, because you know how these cases go, but you might be thinking, oh, so he's married. He's now a father. Is that going to maybe put him on the right path? Maybe make him wake up a little bit? Is he going to try and settle down, have a family life? Well, 
No, if you were thinking that, you would be wrong. So one thing that you need to know about Arthur is that he was a narcissist, if it wasn't clear already, and he thought that he was a ladies' man. He thought that he was God's gift to women. He truly did. And Arthur did not stay faithful in his marriage. He was a serial adulterer and he would brag openly about cheating on his wife, the women that he was cheating with. And I just want to point out, because this does really annoy me, um, Arthur saw himself as a ladies' man. The ladies did not see him like that, okay? But Arthur didn't just cheat on his wife. He was violent, extremely violent to his wife. He would really knock her around. He would have these terrible, terrible mood swings and he would become, quote, a raging monster. There is truly not one ridiculous redeeming characteristic is that of Arthur. Like he is literally all round a terrible, terrible human being. I don't even want to call him a human. He's literally absolutely disgusting. And his wife was married to him for three years. So she was in that really toxic, violent environment for three years. But thankfully she did pluck up the courage to actually leave Arthur. So Arthur is now a single man again, but he thinks that he is a ladies man and he is looking for his next victim. Obviously, he didn't think that they were a victim, but he is looking for his next victim because he thought that he was this charming ladies' man, but in reality, he was just an intimidating bully. And after a string of rejections, because nobody did want to be around him, unfortunately, Arthur started to sexually assault women. And then at the age of 22, Arthur is sent to prison for the very first time, which is honestly unbelievable because he has already raped women. He has sexually assaulted them. He's been physically violent to his wife, to other women, but to other people as well. And he's now only just being sent to prison. Make that make sense. So he got sent to prison for unlawful sexual intercourse. That is actually what it was called, but let's not beat around the bush here. That's rape. He was sent to prison for five years. I know, only five years for rape. And then following his release, he is now aged 27. Arthur does get married again. And once again, it's an absolutely terrible marriage. He cheats openly on his wife. He is also physically violent to her. And this time he is also raping his wife, which I don't have any evidence that he was raping his first wife. But again, I would not be surprised. His second wife has said, quote, he used to rape me. Rape? and rape me. That's just what Arthur did. And when I read that, it broke my heart because that wording, that's just what Arthur did. It's like she just had to put up with it. And thankfully, again, his second wife did manage to escape the marriage. But even when she managed to escape, the actual day that she left Arthur, Arthur wasn't happy because she has said that on the day that she left Arthur, he took her out into the street, knocked her to the ground, put his boot in her and beat her up all just because things didn't go Arthur's way. So we're now in the 70s in the UK. Arthur is now in his 30s. And for the next decade, he just continues on the same pattern. He continues to be physically violent with people. He is very intimidating. He's a bully. He continues to intimidate and assault women. And he's actually convicted for a number of rapes. I know, convicted every single time. He is just given a short prison sentence. There was actually some time where Arthur didn't get a prison sentence at all for rape. He continues 
to just be able to get away with it. Even though he's in his 30s, he's never truly held accountable for anything that he's doing. I mean, conviction rates for rape are ridiculously low anyway. And back in the 70s, they were probably even lower than they are today. But he was convicted for some rapes. He was. So why was he not given a longer sentence for those convicted rapes? He is a repeated offender. Arthur Hutchinson is a dangerous sexual predator and he is showing no inclination of stopping anytime soon. And of course, like I said, Arthur is a mommy's boy. So even though he's being convicted of rape, his mom just makes excuses for him. Every time he is released out of prison, she gives him a home, forgives him, doesn't really say anything. And it's just like, for God's sake. I almost wonder as well, is that why Arthur is so close to his mom? Because he is, he's actually quite loyal to his mom. But is he only loyal to his mom because his mom lets him get away with everything? However, there was one significant incident in the family. There was a little bit of a family incident where Arthur would get sent to prison and he would get sent to prison for a decent amount of time. Arthur is currently living with his half-brother, a man called Dino Reardon, and most of Arthur's family, apart from his mom, had cut him off. So apart from his mom and Dino, he didn't have any contact with his family because his family cut him off because he's such an evil, terrible person. But his mom and Dino stayed loyal to him. So Dino was allowing Arthur to stay in his home rent-free because he wanted to give Arthur a second chance. He wanted to give Arthur somewhere where he could live, maybe maybe get on the right track. And Dino was doing this out of the kindness of his heart because let's face it, Arthur is not exactly a nice person to be around, is he? And Arthur apparently had no money. He wasn't working. So Dino was paying for everything, bills, rent, food. But then Dino found out that Arthur was committing benefit fraud. So Arthur was basically telling the government that he was living in accommodation on his own and he didn't have enough money to pay rent. So the government were subsidizing that and giving Arthur money to help pay for his rent. But obviously that wasn't the situation and Arthur was benefiting from the government and he was just taking the money and putting it in his own pocket. And when Dino found out about this, Dino was like, what the hell? Like literally, what the hell? I'm putting you up in my home rent-free. I'm paying for everything out of the kindness of my heart and you're getting money off the government and not even giving me a little bit. Dino was absolutely furious, quite understandably so. And Dino was just like, yeah, nah, I'm not having this. You need to leave, get out of my house. And Arthur being the entitled, narcissistic, violent person that he was, did not take too kindly to this. And to be honest, that is a severe understatement because Arthur, in response to his brother kicking him out of the house, Arthur decided that he was going to murder his brother. Yes murder. That is a significant escalation because Arthur is obviously a very violent character and he technically did attempt to murder his sister when he was seven years old, but he's not a murderer. He's never attempted to murder anyone. So this is a severe escalation. You can just tell how volatile and violent this man is and also how scary and intimidating it would be to be around someone like that that would want to murder someone over something as reasonable as asking them to leave their house because they're taking advantage of them. So one day Arthur managed to acquire himself a gun, don't really know how, and he wakes up really early one day and he 
travels to his brother's house, Dino's house. So Arthur sets himself up in some bushes with the gun and essentially just lies in wait until his brother passes. And sure enough, Dino's car approaches and as it does, Arthur aims the gun and fires. Thankfully, the shot missed and Dino just carried on driving. I mean, he wasn't exactly going to stop, was he? He wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible. And thankfully, Arthur did not get away with this. Dino reported what had happened and Arthur was arrested and charged with attempted murder and he was back in prison. Again, Arthur gets a ridiculously low sentence. He only ends up spending five years in prison. So we jump forward five years now. Arthur is now in his 40s and he has spent a significant time in prison now collectively. Obviously, he hasn't spent enough time in prison, but after his five years in prison, you would think that Arthur might just consider not committing any more crime. He might think, you know what? I don't want to go back to prison. I want my freedom. I'm going to stop committing crime. But that doesn't happen. Arthur does the exact opposite. It's almost like he can't help it. It's the fact that he's been in prison for five years. It's like he has all of this pent up, I don't even know what you want to call it, urges. That's the one. Pent up urges to commit crime because literally as soon as he is released, he commits crime again. Thankfully, he gets caught again and Arthur is arrested for theft, burglary and rape. It's just crazy to me how many times I've said that now. He's been convicted of rape. He's been convicted of burglary. It's like how many serious offences is this man going to commit before somebody puts him in prison for a very long time? So Arthur is held in custody awaiting trial and a court date is set for the 23rd of September 1983. And Arthur was set to face charges for theft, burglary and rape. All three are obviously very serious offences. Arthur is going to be facing a possible long sentence this time. And Arthur being Arthur, the entitled narcissist that he is, he said to himself, you know what? I don't want to spend any more time in prison. I've had enough. I'm not going back to prison. So Arthur comes up with a plan to try and avoid going to prison. It's almost like, you know what, Arthur, if you don't want to go back to prison, maybe stop committing crime. But unfortunately, common sense seems to fail people like Arthur all the time. So now we get to the 23rd of September, 1983, which is Arthur's court date. So on this date, he gets moved from custody to the magistrate's court. And this is where he puts his plan into action. So he's in the court. He's obviously handcuffed. He's handcuffed to two prison officers and he goes to the prison officers. I need to use the bathroom. Can you let me go? He says to the officers, hey, can you uncuff me? I don't really want to do my business in front of you. And the prison officers, I don't know who trained these bloody prison officers, but these prison officers are just like, yeah, go on, go to the bathroom. And they uncuff Arthur. Seriously, what the hell? And it's just so incredibly frustrating because if those officers hadn't uncuffed Arthur Hutchinson, he would have gone to prison for hopefully a very long time. And then the tragic events that we are about to discuss would not have happened. And I know everyone makes mistakes. I get that. We're all human. But to uncuff a dangerous sexual predator and let them go to the bathroom 
that's just not on. And as soon as they uncuff Arthur, he makes a run for it. And I mean, literally, as soon as they took the handcuffs off, Arthur starts running in the lobby of the courthouse. He runs into a courtroom that was being shut for renovation. He runs past a startled decorator who is in the courtroom, obviously renovating. He climbs onto the press bench in the courtroom and jumps through a window. So does this sound familiar to any of you? Ted Bundy, anyone? This is literally what Ted Bundy did. I mean, Ted Bundy was a little bit more intelligent than Arthur Hutchinson. So uh, Arthur Hutchinson was a bit more of a brute force kind of person, but pretty much the same. And anyway, when I said that Arthur jumped through a window, I mean a closed window. He jumped through a closed window window like it was some kind of action movie like, i mean i suppose he didn't really have time to open the window did he and arthur didn't really think this through because jumping through a closed window not a good idea because as he jumped through the closed window as he went through the glass he severely injured his leg but not only that he landed on barbed wire his leg was completely torn up, like completely cut up. So this wasn't exactly going to plan for him, was it? He was clearly running on adrenaline and he ran for it. He managed to pull himself up off the ground and run, run for miles. Then after running for probably what was a very long time, he was in like a woodland kind of area. It wasn't like a forest, but it was like bushes and undergrowth and stuff. And he found a place to hide under bushes. Unbelievably, Arthur managed to escape. He had managed to pull this off. And Arthur was now officially on the run. And after the escape, a search warrant was issued. The police put a lot of emphasis on finding him because he was such a dangerous person. So because of Arthur's escape, how he escaped, the police police knew that he was injured. Maybe there was blood on the scene. I don't know. And the authorities knew that at some point he was going to need medical assistance because his injuries were that bad. So they issued an alert to all of the surrounding hospitals to keep an eye out for Arthur Hutchinson. And then incredibly, after four days of being on the run, Arthur walks into an NHS hospital and gets treatment. He just gets his leg treated, no questions asked, and he walks straight back out the door. After getting his leg fixed, Arthur goes to ground again and he starts living rough, essentially. Arthur has said that he survived by eating dandelions and roots. And I don't know if he did this, like eating dandelions, like really? And somehow, I really don't know how, Arthur manages to evade capture for three and a half weeks. I get that it is the 80s right now, but how is he been on the run for three and a half weeks? How has he gone into a hospital and gotten treatment and no one's found him? Arthur at this point at three and a half weeks is very fatigued. He's probably starved and he's probably getting a little bit fed up of being on the run. All of that combined with the fact that he is a very violent person is not a good combination. And this is where we get to the tragic events of today's case. So on the night of of the 22nd of October 1983, Arthur is still on the run, now finds himself in a village door in Sheffield. And whilst Arthur is just moving through the fields, he spots a relatively large detached house. And there is this big marquee in the garden of this house. And this intrigues Arthur because he can hear noise, he can hear a celebration, he can hear quite a lot of people. And Arthur thinks to himself, 
hmm, I wonder what's going on. Well, this house belonged to the Leitner family and it turns out that the family were celebrating a wedding. The family were holding a wedding reception for their eldest daughter, Suzanne, in the marquee in their garden. And Arthur can see that it is a wedding reception from a distance and he sees an opportunity. But Arthur bides his time. He lies in wait again. He literally watches this house from afar. Arthur waits until the guests leave and this is around 11.15 p.m. So once all of the guests have left, Arthur makes his way to the marquee. The motivation behind Arthur making his way to the marquee is not actually known, but considering that he has been on the run for three and a half weeks and he's been living on what he claims dandelions, he's probably very hungry and he can see the marquee. He could see that it was a wedding reception. He probably put two and two together and thought there's going to be food in there. So Arthur makes his way into the marquee and there is food there and he starts to pick over any leftover food. And I wish that it stopped there. I wish that he had just broken into this house, into this marquee, just to steal food. I really do. Because unfortunately, Arthur has a much worse plan in mind. So next, Arthur makes his way into the main house. He breaks through a faulty patio door. But inside the house, four members of the Leitner family still remained. There was the mom and dad of the family, Basil and Avril, their 28-year-old son, Richard, and their 18-year-old daughter, Nicola. Nicola had been bridesmaid at the wedding that day. It's thought that Arthur, when he was lying in wait, actually saw Nicola. She caught his eye and being the absolutely disgusting sexual predator that he is, he decided that he was going to sexually assault Nicola. And this is what led him to break into the house, to sexually assault Nicola. So once Arthur was inside the house, he creeps upstairs trying to locate where Nicola is. He spots a door to a bedroom and he can see that a bridesmaid dress has been hung up on the door and he thinks that must be Nicola's room. But once he was inside the room, he realized that it wasn't Nicola's room. It was actually her 28-year-old brother Richard's room. And Richard was awake and staring straight at Arthur. And this was not part of the plan. Arthur realized that his plan had completely failed. Arthur only had one thing on his mind, and that was Nicola and no one was going to stand in his way. So Arthur came to the decision that he needed to eliminate Richard and the other members of the family so he could sexually assault Nicola in peace. So Arthur pulls out a knife and lunges at Richard. Richard tries to escape from his bed, screaming in the process, but tragically Richard could not get away and Arthur stabbed Richard twice in the chest, killing him instantly. Arthur now makes his way to Nicola's room who has been awoken by her brother's screams. So when Arthur enters her room, Nicola is just sat in bed. She is absolutely terrified. But Richard's screams hadn't just awoken Nicola. They also awoke mom and dad. Basil and Avril. Nicola's father, Basil, was arguing with Arthur, obviously trying to get Arthur out of the house, trying to get him away from his daughter. But unfortunately, the argument wouldn't last very long because Arthur launched himself at Basil. Arthur stabbed Basil twice in the throat and once in the back, killing him instantly. Nicola was still in her bedroom in just unimaginable disbelief. She had just heard Arthur murder her brother and her dad, but unfortunately it wasn't over yet. Arthur could hear noises coming from downstairs and they were of Nicola's mom, 
Avril. Arthur went downstairs to confront the commotion that he could hear. As he was approaching Avril, Avril was shouting at Arthur, just take the money, take all the money and leave. She obviously didn't know what Arthur's intentions were. Arthur didn't care about money. Nicola was still in her bedroom and she could hear the screams of her mom. And then she heard her mom let out the most horrifying scream. Arthur had launched himself in a vicious attack on Avril. Avril had tried to fight him off. She wasn't going to go down without a fight and Avril sustained many defensive wounds. She was stabbed four times in her arms and 13 times in her hands. But tragically, Arthur overpowered her and Arthur stabbed her in the neck, which was the fatal wound. And in total, Arthur stabbed Avril 26 times, which is such an overkill. I mean, if you compare the way he killed Avril to the way he killed Basil and Richard, he stabbed Basil and Richard three, four times max, and then he stabs Avril a total number of 26 times. That tells you right there how much hatred and anger Arthur has towards women. So at this point, Arthur had murdered three members of the Leitner family and the only person left alive was Nicola. Arthur made his way upstairs and back into Nicola's bedroom. The lights were off, it was complete darkness, but Arthur pulled out a flashlight and shined it directly at Nicola. He then said, quote, put on the lights, scream, and you're dead. In the hours that followed, Nicola was subjected to a prolonged, vicious sexual attack. Nicola was tragically raped multiple times at knife point. After this vicious attack, Arthur forced Nicola out of the bedroom. He forced Nicola to walk past the body of her dad and downstairs into the marquee. She's just been raped multiple times and now she has seen the body of her father in a pool of blood. Once Nicola was in the marquee, Arthur handcuffed her to a chair. Nicola was then forced to watch this absolutely disgusting man brag about what he had done. She had to listen to him talk about the murders of her family members. He boasted about what he had done and the whole time he was drinking leftover champagne and eating leftover cheese. Nicola was then raped again inside the marquee and after this attack Arthur then marched her back up to her bedroom where he raped her again. Arthur then tied Nicola to the bed and he said quote take care of yourself. And then Arthur fled the scene. When I read that Arthur said, take care of yourself to Nicola, oh my God, my blood boiled. How does this man have the audacity to say something like that to a woman that he has just raped multiple times? He has just murdered her family, three members of her family. How dare he say, take care of yourself, really? So we now get to the following morning after this vicious attack on the Leitner family. Nicola is still tied to her bed. So in the morning, a group of workmen arrived at the house to take down the marquee from the wedding. And when they entered the marquee, they saw a horrific scene. They saw blood everywhere. They saw blood trailing into the house. And after they stepped inside the house, they found the bodies. And then they found Nicola tied to her bed. She was wearing a nightdress that was covered 
in the blood of her family members. The police were immediately called and thankfully Nicola was actually able to give a very accurate description of what the attacker looks like and a sketch artist put together a sketch and the police officers looked at the sketch and they thought, oh my God, that looks like Arthur Hutchinson. After they had gone through the crime scene as well, they found a handprint on a champagne bottle and a dental impression on a block of cheese that Arthur had taken a bite out of. After they ran the dental impression and the handprint through their system, they confirmed that the attacker was Arthur Hutchinson. So remember when I said earlier that this case involved one of the biggest manhunts in the UK history ever? Well, this is where the manhunt starts. Because as soon as the police realized that this absolutely brutal attack on the Leitner family was Arthur, and they also obviously knew Arthur's detailed criminal history, they were like, okay, we need to find this man ASAP. He is a danger to the public. He will strike again. There was no doubt in anyone's mind that he would. And the police realized that if they were going to catch Arthur, they needed the public's help. So a picture was issued nationwide of Arthur Hutchinson. And when the public found out what had happened and who Arthur was and his detailed criminal background, people were terrified because this was only two years after the Yorkshire Ripper. People were terrified that Arthur Hutchinson was basically going to become another Ripper. They were terrified that he was going to become the next big serial killer in the UK. They were also operating in a very similar area. And even though Arthur at this time is not a serial killer, he's a mass murderer. I have no doubt that he would have become a serial killer. So back to Arthur, he has already been on the run for a very long time, approximately three and a half weeks from when he first escaped the courthouse. And obviously most of that time he was living in the wilderness. And you would think that after this brutal attack, he would just go back to the wilderness and hide out there. I mean, it's been working for him, hasn't it? Well, Arthur did no such thing. After these murders, Arthur actually grew in confidence which is truly terrifying. And he was just openly traveling around the UK. He was staying in hotels around the UK. Are you being serious? How? He was even going into pubs bragging about what he had done. It's unbelievable, isn't it? How is this man able to just walk around? I mean, apparently his picture has been put nationwide and no one's recognizing him. But that's not the worst of it because Arthur clearly wants to be famous. So he starts writing to the local newspapers. He even had a telephone interview with one of the journalists. It's unbelievable. And he starts telling the newspapers and the journalists that the police are never going to catch him. He can outsmart them. He was bragging that he was a criminal mastermind and he would be able to get away with these murders. Arthur was reveling in the attention that he was getting. He was absolutely loving it. He even starts calling himself the fox. And this is something that Arthur came up with himself. He is that narcissistic that he comes up with his own criminal nickname. He said that he called himself the fox because he was so sly and cunning and he would never be caught. Arthur also managed to find himself a tape recorder and he started recording himself bragging about his crimes, bragging about the fact that the police hadn't caught him yet. He said things like, I've walked past the police several times times and they haven't even noticed. I'm a master of disguise, or should I say 
fox on the trot. But anyway, as you may have guessed, the ego of the fox was ultimately his downfall because the police were literally about to put a plan in place that would catch Arthur Hutchinson. And by this time, Arthur had been on the run for two weeks since the murder. So combined, Arthur has been on the run for five and a half weeks now. And at this stage, nine different police forces and hundreds, if not thousands of police officers were now working together to try and catch Arthur Hutchinson. The police didn't know how to catch Arthur. Everything that they tried had failed. So they decided that they needed to change their tactics. And they were going to play on one of Arthur's weaknesses. And that is that he was a mommy's boy. The police knew that Arthur's mother was was seriously ill and they decided to play on that. They thought that they could use his mother's illness to their advantage. So they decided to publicly broadcast Arthur's mom's illness and say how bad it was, hoping that this would draw Arthur out. And they were right because it did. Arthur saw this broadcast about his mother's illness and he made a phone call to his mom. Now the police had tapped his mom's phone so they could hear everything. And Arthur told his mom that he would come and see her and he would be with her by 4 a.m. So the police obviously jumped on this opportunity and 400 officers surrounded Arthur's mom's house with sniffer dogs and everything. They were not leaving anything to chance. They were not gonna let Arthur get away again. And the police just waited for Arthur to arrive and they spotted Arthur casually strolling into the neighborhood. Now, Arthur did see the police and Arthur tried to make a run for it again, but the police were onto him. There was just too many police officers and he was quickly overpowered by the police. Arthur, now realizing that the game was up, said to one of the officers, quote, I should have stayed down my foxhole, shouldn't I? He really loves this whole fox thing, doesn't he? So finally, Arthur Hutchinson had been caught after approximately five and a half weeks on the run. And it was all down to his own arrogance, his own ego, and the fact that he was a mommy's boy. So following Arthur's arrest, he did go to trial because he had the audacity to plead not guilty. He still believed that he was going to be able to get away with this. And to be honest, I can't blame him because for most of his life, he either has gotten away with it or has gotten away with it very lightly. And Arthur did testify on the stand. And he said that the sex between himself and Nicola was consensual. Mm -hmm. He actually said that. He said that Nicola invited him in for sex. Oh God, this man, this man. Mm -hmm. makes my blood boil. Mm -hmm. Can you understand why I keep saying that? But what is even worse is that because he pled not guilty and because they went to trial, this meant that Nicola had to take the stand. Nicola had to relive everything that Arthur had put her through. She had to relive the rapes. She had to relive the murders of her family members. I guarantee you that is one of the reasons why he pleaded not guilty because he wanted to do that to Nicola. Obviously, I can't be sure about that, but people like Arthur love to cause other people pain, so I wouldn't be surprised. She was also cross-examined and the defense were not nice to Nicola at all. That's probably an understatement. The defense kept going on to Nicola that she had invited him in. She consented to the sex. She wanted the sex. And can you imagine how painful that would be 
to a rape victim to hear those words. She broke down and she was sobbing on that stand and she just said, I want to go home. Nicola was so brave to even take the stand because she wanted Arthur to go down for his crimes. She did not deserve to be treated like that. And thankfully, Nicola taking the stand wasn't a waste of time. The jury in the trial were also shown a seven minute video of the crime scene. And this was actually the first time that video footage of a crime scene was ever shown in the UK. And the jury, after hearing the emotional testimony of Nicola, seeing all of the evidence, seeing that video footage, the jury decided that Arthur Hutchinson was guilty on all charges. And then on the 14th of September, 1984, Arthur Hutchinson, aged 42, was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 18 years. But the story doesn't end there because the Home Secretary at the time found out about this case, heard about this case, and decided that a life sentence with a minimum of 18 years wasn't long enough. And they overruled Arthur's sentence and decided to give him a full life tariff, meaning that Arthur Hutchinson will never be released from prison. And this is extremely rare in the UK. Not many people are actually on a full life tariff. And I wish I could say that that was the end of this case, but it's not. Because Arthur Hutchinson was not going to let this drop, was he? Oh no, he wanted to stay in the spotlight. Of course he did. Arthur kicked and screamed about the fact that the Home Secretary got involved. He thought that it was really unfair that he was given a whole life tariff. He was saying how hard done by he was and how it was inhumane that he was given a whole life tariff. Over the following decades, Arthur Hutchinson made appeal after appeal, after appeal. And then in August of 2013, nearly 30 years after Arthur Hutchinson was originally sentenced, he took his case all the way to the European Court of Human Rights, claiming that his whole life tariff was inhumane and went against his human rights. Arthur Hutchinson was the first prisoner from the UK that actually appealed his case all the way to the European Court of Human Rights. There's a lot of firsts in this case, isn't there? Arthur was the first, blah, blah, blah. And the fact that he had taken his case all the way to the European Court of Human Rights, this provoked outrage amongst the victims' families. There was outrage that Arthur was even allowed to do this because he shouldn't be allowed to do this. He has been given a whole life tariff. He shouldn't be entertained as much as he has been because he's been allowed to appeal over and over again, basically dragging all of this up for the victims over and over again. But then finally, in February of 2015, just two weeks before his 74th birthday, the European Court made their final decision and they ruled that Arthur Hutchinson's appeal would not be overturned. Therefore, his whole life tariff is upheld and Arthur Hutchinson will never be released from prison. And now, to this day, Arthur Hutchinson is still alive. He is currently 81 years old and he's still in prison, obviously. He has now served nearly 40 years and Arthur is now the third longest serving prisoner in the UK. And it is definitely 100% where he belongs to be. Arthur Hutchinson is a danger. Still today, he is 81 years old and he is still classed as a danger to other prisoners. He still, to this day, boasts about his crimes. And Arthur has said that if he ever does get out of prison, he will kill the remaining members of the Leitner family. And normally when prisoners, criminals say things like this, I tend to kind of roll my eyes and I kind of think, oh, they're only saying that they just 
just want attention. They always use this grandiose language. But when it comes to Arthur, I 100% believe him. And I fully believe that he would kill again if he had the chance. And whilst I was doing my research for this case, I saw a lot of speculation as to why he left Nicola alive. Some sources said that it was because he wanted to, quote, be with her after the murders. And then other sources said that he had gotten everything that he wanted out of Nicola and she was no use to him. So he just left her. Essentially, he didn't feel the need to murder her. But in my opinion, I don't think it is either of those two. I actually think that he left Nicola alive so she would tell his story. Arthur has not made it a secret that he wants to be infamous. He wants people to know about his crimes. Arthur wants to be seen as this notorious, infamous killer. And by leaving Nicola alive, she was able to tell the story of Arthur Hutchinson. Arthur loved the spotlight and unfortunately he got that. And I just want to take a moment at the end of this case to just reflect on the victims of this case. Basil and Avril Leitner were devoted, loving parents. And on the day of their murder, they had hosted the wedding of their eldest daughter, one of the happiest days of their life, one of the happiest days of the whole family's life. And it's just so heartbreaking that this happy occasion, this celebration ended in absolute heartbreak. All Avril and Basil were trying to do was protect their children. Richard was a completely innocent person as well, an innocent victim in all of this. He was only 28 years old when he was murdered. He had his whole life ahead of him and Arthur just completely took that away from him. And then Nicola, of course, she was only 18 years old when she went through the ordeal that she went through. She suffered through some of the most unimaginable things. And it's the kind of thing that never leaves you, what happened to Nicola. And I just hope that she was able to recover from this in some way and I hope that she is happy and doing well. So that brings us to the end of the first podcast exclusive episode of the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Thanks so much for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of the Criminal Makeup. And I would really love it if you could leave the podcast a review. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please take the time to have a look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audio Boom Studios, and I'll see you all in in the next one.